Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is show 777, otherwise known as Triple Seven. It is March 21st of 2023. Regular episode 777, not counting the sit-downs and the mailbags or bonus episodes, but 777 shows of Words of the Day, which reminds me it's my favorite number because of the time we did seven marathons on seven days in seven continents, seven consecutive days of running a marathon on every continent. One of only like the first hundred people to ever do that, raised over a million dollars for charity back in 2018 as part of the greatest team ever called Team Hold the Plane, which was important that we recall that because sometimes we'd have to hold the plane. So a shout out and a thank you to all members of Team Hold the Plane who made a journey together that will never be matched in its insanity, difficulty, and long-lasting impact on our bodies, minds, and souls. Triple seven, Coca. It has been 277 episodes since you did a sit down with me. We are only 223 episodes away from 1,000 where you'll have to decide how you'll celebrate that. I think people are gonna wanna hear your voice again then if not sooner. All of that said, we got a show to do. The triple seven show is a good one, so buckle up. Incredible. That's the nothing personal word of the day for March 21st of 23. If you did not watch the World Baseball Classic game between Japan and Mexico, what were you watching? The Bachelor? Back and forth, phenomenal catches by Arazarena of the Rays. Unbelievable pitching by the 21-year-old who I told you to watch. He was throwing a buck two. 101, 100 miles an hour. Every one of his fastballs, over 100, maybe except the last one he threw. Very tight slider, breaking ball. Insane until the next guy comes out of the bullpen and the next guy, and then the next guy's up and you think, all right, they got Otani and a bunch of nothings. Don't forget they've got the guy from the Red Sox, Yoshida, who hits cleanup. Oh, who hit a three-run home run. The two-time MVP looks like a, a jolly, easygoing, almost baby-like face. He walked off Mexico in the bottom of the ninth. 
Meanwhile, the starter for Mexico, Patrick Sandoval of the Angels, was incredible. The entire Mexican team played their hearts out and were simply crestfallen when the game ended. The excitement of this game rivaled a postseason game, which is exactly what MLB wanted. They wanted a postseason semifinal game. They didn't get it with USA Cuba because it was a blowout. They wanted Japan to win so that tonight could be the end of the tournament with the two best teams playing, the two biggest markets, the two most important TV markets. No disrespect to Mexico or Dominican or Venezuela or Puerto Rico or the Czech Republic or the Netherlands, on and on and on. It's about Japan and United States. It's one game, winner take all. We can't do it during the season of Major League Baseball because we have a seven game series. So you hope for a game seven, but by that time they've played each other six times. There's great familiarity. The benefit of a March Madness type of situation is you could have Miami beat Indiana in the women's bracket. It's one and done. Tonight, you're gonna get a chance. What we hoped would be you Darvish against Shohei Otani. Can't be that, they're both Japanese. Tonight, we were hoping to get you Darvish against, name me the best pitcher, Corbin Burns. Shohei Otani against Woodruff. No, the USA is throwing out Merrill Kelly. Good pitcher, but clearly not the type of pitcher that the USA wants. Tony Reagans is the GM of the US team. He works for the commissioner's office. We've got to find a way to get better pitchers on the USA team. This is nothing against the existing team, but it's clear that it's not the best. The other teams have way better pitching, including Japan. Start to finish, Japan's roster of pitchers is better. The Angels control whether Otani starts tonight, and they've made it clear he will not start. The reason he will not start is they need him in line for March 30th, and they don't want him to sit from the 21st until the 30th. Today is a bullpen day for Otani, so they are allowing him to pitch out of the bullpen. You may see Otani close the game if Japan has a lead or try to keep the game close if Japan is down only a run or two going into the final innings. That is not Japan's preference, but in the World Baseball Classic, the major league team rules, period. Whatever the major league team says, that's what goes. There's no discussion, there's no argument, and there's no violation. The only thing that gets violated during the World Baseball Classic are the unwritten rules. Randy Rosarena congratulating himself and when he caught and robbed that home run against Japan yesterday. I loved it. I love Randy Rosarena. I love his talent. It is gonna be extremely hard for him to walk into Tropicana Field and play in front of 8,000 people on the second day of the season. There is something about playing in front of a sold out crowd in Miami, the excitement of playing with his country where he just became a citizen of Mexico. All of the amazing patriotic feelings that these players feel, there is something about it that is magical. And if you didn't feel it, you weren't watching, you've got one more chance to feel it. We are set up as a league to blow the previous World Baseball Classics out of the water in 2026. I sent a tweet, Coca. I was not paying attention, but it's funny. I should have known this. The World Baseball Classic was in 06 and 09, but
but it really was supposed to be in 05 and 09, but they couldn't get it going for 05, so they did it in 06 and 09, three years apart. After that, it was every four years, 9, 13, 17, 21. Whoops, COVID, can't be in 21. 22, no, we have the lockout, we have collective bargaining. We're gonna do it in 23. I figured, let's start now. You can go 23, 27, 31, 35, it's all good. And then I realized, wait a second, that's screwy because of the collective bargaining agreement. They can't do the World Baseball Classic in 27 when the CBA expires at the end of 26. What if there's a lockout, a strike, et cetera, and then you don't have a WBC, which takes years of planning. So they're moving it to 2026 where there'll still be an agreement in place in MLB. So I guess there's that. It'll either be every three years or every four years. We'll figure that out. I don't like that. I want consistency. If we're building an audience, if we're building a relationship with the broadcast networks, if we're building a relationship with people around the world, find some consistency and stay there. I apologize for COVID, but other than that, do better. So I got it wrong. And this is not me being upset that I got the tweet wrong. Who would have thought that it was 26? But it is. But baseball is set up for a World Baseball Classic in 26 where all of the best players are gonna wanna play and the fights are gonna come. Here's how the conversations will go. Hey, my friend, GM and owner and president, I really wanna play. I'll be ready, let me pitch. Nah, we don't really think so. You were hurt last year. Don't think it's the right opportunity. We don't want you to have to ramp up that quickly. Yeah, but you know how great the WBC was? Don't you remember? Yeah, but I already forgot about it because really all I care about is my team. All I care about is winning and getting to the World Series and winning World Series. But what about all the revenue that you get? Yeah, that's true. I get 1 30th of the World Baseball Classic revenue, but I get 30 30ths of a World Series ring. I get 30 30ths of my team being worth more when my revenue goes up because we play, play in the postseason. But what about all the extra international revenue that you're going to get from broadcasters and sponsors of the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, that's also 1 30th. No thanks. That's the reality of why you're not seeing the best of the best at the World Baseball Classic for the US. And you've got owners to say what they may. And I went public in the Skipper podcast on Metalark by saying that the Yankees don't allow their players to play in the WBC. And I was wrong. That was my experience going back in years. They definitely had their catcher playing. They definitely had Glaber Torres playing. Nestor, nasty Nestor tried to play until he got hurt and then got pulled immediately and never actually appeared for Team USA. Obviously, there's no Judge, there's no Stanton, there's no DJ LeMahieu, three players who clearly would be on the USA team. So I will tell you I was wrong, but I will tell you I was right. And where I'm right is the Yankees and the Steinbrenners, much like every other owner, are not incredibly supportive, if even at all, of their players appearing. So when they're watching the game, and I have unique insight into this because I've watched Stanton and Yelich play in these games when the USA won in 2017. I am watching the games happen. I am cheering for them. I'm cheering for all of our players who are on the different teams, but I am solely focused on opening day, the regular season, and making it to the playoffs. It's that simple. There is not one part of one owner or one president or one GM who if you ask them, and they had to tell you the truth. There's not one part of them saying, we are so happy our players are in the WBC. We want them to have that great experience and be around those great players. Like the Royals saying, Bobby Witt, we're so happy sitting on the bench and getting one at bat every once in a while because he gets to be around Goldschmidt and Arenado. Horse hockey. 
They need him ready to go. They're just not going to tell you that because we're asked not to talk that way. Some owners do, they shouldn't. Some presidents do, they shouldn't. The hope is that there'll be nothing but support for the WBC from the C-suite level of every baseball team. Does it happen publicly? Mostly. Privately? Almost never. Is this enough to get the WBC to change, change times, change dates, or just disappear altogether? No. There is not a block of votes that can stop the WBC from happening. From a fan standpoint, it's outstanding. We're in the middle of the NCAA tournament and the World Baseball Classic is owning the week in between the games. There's no NFL. It's the end of the NBA regular season and no one's focused on the fact that Donkic and, and Irving can barely play together. And when they do, they can't win. We're not focused on that. Quickly, stop talking about John Morant. No one's talking about the fact that the Lakers are not even in the play-in right now. The World Baseball Classic has taken over. And here's what happens after tonight. Poof, Kaiser frickin' Soze. Everyone goes back to spring training and starts p pitching in front of 5,000 people getting ready for March 30th. It is bizarre, isn't it? Please watch the game. I don't know how else to say this. You want to watch Japan play because you want to watch what it is to see professional players play who are so fundamentally good at the game, who have arms that are just as good as arms in the Dominican, Venezuela, or the U.S., who have plate skills and discipline that are just as good, if not better, fundamentally better, in my opinion, than any other type of player, a team of depth. I went to sleep thinking that Darvish was starting. Now I'm thinking that he may not start. No idea what Japan's doing. No idea if San Diego called and said, you're not allowed to start Darvish. We don't know. Maybe we'll find out tonight, seven o'clock, World Baseball Classic. Why it's on FS1? Because Fox didn't want to interrupt its regular programming schedule to do the final because there was no reason to do it in years past. Here is the hope. When the WBC is back on a network, and it may be Fox, I don't know if they extend it and have the next WBC, but if MLB sells or has the ability to sell rights to WBC for 26, they have way more leverage to demand primary channel, not ESPN2, but ESPN, if not ABC, not FS1 and FS2, but the later rounds on Fox. There's no reason that semifinal game with the USA should not have been on Fox. I understand if they wanted to put Japan, Mexico on FS1, and I would have allowed it. But a final or any game with the USA should be on Fox. When you're negotiating, it's hard because the owners are telling people at MLB, take the money. If they're offering you this money to do the games, let them put it on whatever channel they want. But we fight that because we say, wait a minute, we want exposure. The owners say, thanks a lot. We'll take the 130th of the money. Would you rather get $10 million and be on FS1 or $5 million and be on Fox? Short-term owner thinking says 10 million FS1 every time. Long-term commissioner's office and smart team presidents and owners thinking, you take the 5 million this time, put it on Fox, build the product, because next time you'll get 20 for it to be on Fox. And that's where I think we are. We're gonna find out. Two best teams are going. I had Japan, what was it, Coca, plus 180 when the tournament started? I think it's very difficult to change my mind. When you pick a team to go to the championship in your bracket and they're in the finals, do you all of a sudden go against them? 
Taya Japan. Japan plays U.S. Japan is an underdog against the U.S. Now, the U.S.'s lineup is just unbelievable. Take a look at it. Five MVPs, no holes in the lineup. I'm still taking Japan for my nothing personal pick of the day. We are 41 and 39 for the season. We had Japan beating Mexico in a nail-biter. Got it done on the walk-off by the two-time MVP, Murakami. But tonight, we're going to take Japan. So remember when we said to you that uh, Cuba was worried they'd come with a team and leave with a trainer? And you all laughed, got into my DMs and sort of smiled at that, at the, at the thought, at the image of that, that you board the team bus at the end and you go back to the airport when you're eliminated and they look around like, God, there are a lot of empty seats on this bus. Joke about that. Well, guess who wasn't joking? Ivan Prieto Gonzalez was a catcher in the bullpen for the Cuban team. Basically, he was like the bullpen catcher. We had one of those. You stay in the bullpen and your job is to warm up the catcher. It used to be that the backup catcher was in the bullpen getting pitchers warmed up. But now baseball teams hire somebody who's not on the roster. They are called the bullpen catcher. You pay him thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, plus per diem on the road, plus obviously free hotel, a spot on the team flight. And their job is simply to be in the bullpen and catch all bullpen pitchers. When there are two pitchers warming up, a lefty and a righty, there are not two bullpen catchers. In that case, you've got your backup catcher who goes out to the bullpen to do the double warm-up, or sometimes you can have the bullpen coach catch as well. So this guy, the bus is going to Miami airport after Cuba loses to the U.S. They look around and he's gone. He literally stayed in Miami after the game and didn't show up at Miami International Airport for the team's flight, and Cuba called him a deserter. Not a deserter to me. If you've got the courage to escape and you have the ability to escape to freedom and the ramifications of your escape, you know and you put that into the hopper, into your decision-making process, this may be the last time that bullpen catcher ever has a chance to get off the island of Cuba. There are people on the Cuban team who are being looked at. There are people who are being guarded and there are those who can slip through. If you're Cuba and you're the Cuban government, aren't you thinking the bullpen catcher would be an ideal candidate to defect? Unbelievable courage to do it. And the question is, how did Cuba react? Well, you know, it's not Fidel Castro anymore. It's that guy, Miguel Diaz-Canel. Here's what he tweeted. You guys have won three times as he addressed the Cuban team when they landed. When you teamed up, when you ranked first, and when you played to the last out against a great team and hate of the worst kind. How about that? The view was, as Cuba was looking at the protesters, people who were yelling free Cuba, freedom to Cubans, people were calling for political prisoners and generally anyone who speaks against the government to be free because they are not free in Cuba. The head of Cuba says, you know what? That's a bunch of hate. All right, I'm guilty. If that's what hate is, and I hate, and I don't consider myself a person who hates at all. But if that's what you're going to equate to hate, then yes, I hate you. Not sure I would say that. I have a way better way to say it when you're thinking about what's happening with Cuba. When you think about what road has been taken by people and what people have to do who don't have freedom, where you have the ability short of being incarcerated to decide to stand up, walk out, walk in, leave, go, 
anywhere, bus, train, plane, automobile. Can you imagine not having that freedom? Having not committed a crime? Caveat. Can you imagine not having the freedom as the bullpen catcher to say, I want to see what life would be like in Miami? Took his life into his hands. All right. Let's talk, you know, people are funny. You're seeing articles coming out now as the regular season starts, which is only nine days away. The articles are coming out and they're saying, let's talk about these new rules. Now that we're getting serious, let's talk about the pitch clock. Let's talk about batters having to be ready within eight seconds. And you're seeing the players attack these rules from several angles. Number one, you are seeing a writing like what Evan Drellick did uh, in The Athletic yesterday where there is talk that the competition committee, that committee that's been reformed since I was on it and now has players on it and owners, except the owners rule, the commissioner rules. So anything coming out of the competition committee has nothing to do with the players on the committee. That was all a farce during negotiation to make players believe they actually had a say in the competition committee, which they actually don't. Every rule change that we are witnessing this year in Major League Baseball was voted against by the players on the competition committee, but the competition committee made those rules and put them into effect with the new power they have as granted in the new collective bargaining agreement. I don't know what Tony was thinking. You were thinking that you'd have a seat at the table. Maybe you could convince owners and the commissioner that you wanted certain things and they were the best way to be. (laughs) No, that's an NCTP situation, TC. No chance toilet pants, Tony Clark, was the competition committee going to be anything other than what the commissioner and the owners wanted. So these new rules are put into effect. Now you're hearing rumors that the competition committee could tweak some of the existing rules. Players are coming out and saying, we do not think that there's enough time for a defensive player to get to the dugout and get ready to hit in between innings if he leads off. How long does it take to run off the field, get your bat on, get into the on-deck circle? Remember, you've got extended break during the regular season. During spring training, you don't. During the regular season, you got 2.30. Two minutes and 30 seconds. Let's go. But the players want to have more time for the leadoff hitter. Then the players say, eight seconds? Come on. We can't be ready to hit in eight seconds. There's no reason for it. Enough of these automatic strikes. Then you've got the pitchers saying, 15 seconds. We can't do that with no runners on base. We need more time. Let's make it 20 and 25. Let's change that. No. Get ready faster. Throw the pitch. Have you noticed the World Baseball Classic games are taking four hours? Are they exciting? Yes. Am I okay with a postseason game being four hours? Yes. A game on a Wednesday in April? No friggin' way. That is the purpose. Get the game moving. Get the action going. If there has to be a four-hour game, make sure it's interesting. Too much time, too many stepping off. What will be the result? A.J. Pruszynski gave a quote yesterday that was outstanding. I hope there's a little bit of feel, not only by the umpires, but by Major League Baseball, and say, okay, it's the bottom of the ninth in the World Series. Base is loaded. Game seven. Let's not rush this thing. Let's let the drama play out naturally. Okay? That was AJ talking on 
front office sports today that he's a co-host of Foul Territory, which is a, uh, a show. Here's the thing, AJ. When you are teaching referees and umpires how to call a game, we as fans want to say, at the end of a Super Bowl, could you not call defensive holding or defensive pass interference, please? At the end of a game seven in the NBA, if he's driving the lane, just let him go. You know, if, you, if a guy hits him on the hand, don't call it. Swallow your whistle, it's called. Stick your flag in your pants. We don't agree with that. We don't say that to the referees and the umpires. We'll say other things, but we won't say that. And the reason we won't say that is that for the integrity of the game, it is important that games are called almost robotically. Do you think in tennis, this is the example that I always give. You know, tennis has the, uh, there's no more line judges. There's this machine that tests whether a ball is in or out. There's a machine that clocks whether or not you have stepped on the tape and you have a foot fault or whether or not you are in violation of the service pitch clock. Once there's a violation, it's called robotically regardless of situation. What people have said to me, but David, when Rafael Nadal is in the fifth set at Wimbledon or at the French Open trying to win his 97th French Open and he violates the time in between points, he's not going to get called and that is wrong. He does get called. When there are players who take too long at the free throw line, do the referees say, all right, is he in the motion at 10 seconds for Giannis? Then let it go. That's the rule. The umpires and the referees do have the discretion of, is something underway? But not today. During spring training, you are being hard and fast and robotic on the rules. If a player is not completely in the box looking at the pitcher with eight seconds, he's going to get the automatic strike, period. I already told you that no regular season game will end on a called third strike because a hitter's not ready. The umpire will say, get in the box or I'm going to have to call it. You've got two seconds, get in. Hey man, you're a second over, get in right now. If there's reckless disregard toward the umpire, he'll call it, the game will end, playoff game or no playoff game. But players are being told by their union and by their teams, don't do it. The umpires will call it. But in the bottom of the ninth in the World Series, bases loaded game seven, it's not that we're trying to rush anything. The purpose of the rules is to keep it going. It's not about, let me ask you, when there is a basketball game going on, and we've seen this in the NCAA tournament, when the last minute, when the, does the drama build every time there's a timeout called after a made basket? Is that the ultimate drama? It builds to a crescendo while you watch another commercial for the brackets that you filled out wrong. Or is it, built and are you happier when there's no more timeouts and you say that's it they got to move it up move it up move it up let's go 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 shot clock's off you got a foul there's stuff going on the tension and the drama comes from the play the action the activity on the court or on the field but AJ what he's talking about here is a thought that is shared by players that is being put out there by the union in an effort to get adjustments made prior to the start of the regular season. If I'm Major League Baseball, I'm not changing one thing prior to the start of the regular season. If things come up during the regular season, I'm willing to make an adjustment. And you had Chris Marinak, who's in charge of all this at MLB, say the same thing. 
one of the things he said was very simple, which was, if we have a problem that we see that comes up during the course of a season, we will do what we've always done and we will make adjustments. That's all you can ask for for a league. You do not make adjustments based on spring training. You don't make adjustments based on players complaining, just like you don't make adjustments based on owners complaining. We are going to let this play out. The competition committee is going to let this play out over a period of regular season games. If there is something egregious, we'll let you know on nothing personal. We'll tell you when we think there's gonna be a change, but it's not yet, not yet. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna review a show that just came out on Amazon. And then I'm gonna answer one of your questions, which is just spectacular about my main man, Jimmy D. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Today is Tuesday, March 21st. Our triple seven episode is upon us. Great week ahead for nothing personal. Stay tuned. Great week ahead. I didn't watch a movie yesterday that you told me to watch, but I did watch a movie, but I'm not reviewing that. I'm watching a show that I finished yesterday that I started on Sunday that came up on Amazon when I opened Amazon to see what's new, and it's called Class of 07. 
You're going to say class of 07? Well, that seems normal. That's just about a bunch of people who were part of something that happened apocalyptic in some dystopian crazy society where they're all stuck in high school. A bunch of girls who are trying to hide, not from zombies, but from the reality that the entire world is underwater except for their high school. It sounds lunacy, right? It sounds like Lost, haven't watched it. Sounds like The Last of Us, no zombies. Here's what it is. It's what happens if mean girls grow up. It's what happens if half of the Breakfast Club detention people get back into that room 20, 10 years later. It's 10 years post high school. There's a 10 year reunion and all the girls are there in an all girls Catholic school. And then they're stuck there because it's something that happens. And in 10 episodes, you learn about these characters. It's an Australian comedy, an Australian drama. It's a chef's kiss. I couldn't stop. And it's not that I couldn't stop because I had contempt for it. I couldn't stop because I couldn't wait to hear what was next in the dialogue, what was next in what was gonna go on between the characters, what was next in how they were going to live with each other and survive. It's a little bit Lord of the Flies as well. But Class of 07 to me ranks a seven out of 10, seven and a half out of 10 maybe. That's how good it is. It's a very quick 10 episode binge and they're all available. As opposed to Daisy Jones where I have to wait till Friday to watch the last two. I cannot wait to review Daisy Jones next week and to review Shrinking. If you want to know where I'm going next week, both Daisy Jones and Shrinking will end their run, their season on uh, Friday. So make sure that you're with us next week. We're gonna review both and you should watch both. Class of 07, it's worth it. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's from a movie called Half-Baked. There's a character named Samson, and everyone wants to talk to him. So if you get on my Twitter, David P. Samson, hit follow. Get on Nothing Personal with David Samson YouTube channel, hit subscribe. Instagram, at David P. Samson, and hit follow. Ask me a question. We'll see if it's interesting. Maybe it'll make the show. David, hello. I like that. Just a little hello, David. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's not like you only have 280 characters. Did you read that James Dolan hired someone to follow the New York Liquor Authority investigator? Is this legal? Can you discuss on nothing personal? You bet your bippy I can. James Dolan is the owner of the Nixon Rangers, MSG. You know him. James Dolan is the type of owner that nobody wants to work with for or be around. James Dolan puts the M in medal and the L in losing. Of course, the Knicks are having a far better year this year. It's only a matter of if not when he screws it up. Working for James Dolan is absolutely not good. So here's what happens. I did a story, what was it, a month ago, Coca? Maybe one month ago? where I told you that James Dolan is having trouble because he's telling certain lawyers they're not allowed in his building. These lawyers who are working for law firms where other lawyers in the law firm are representing clients who have an actual legal matter against the Knicks. Lawyers who by association are with lawyers who have an issue against the New York Knicks or the New York Rangers, they are being sought out by the new facial technology. When they are being spotted, they are being escorted out of the building. 
whether it's the Garden, Radio City Music Hall, Nimportu, it doesn't matter where. I told you my view of that. He's got every right to do it and it makes me absolutely crazy that he would. However, there are people who believe that there could be a legal issue here. That in fact, he doesn't have the right to have certain people based on his criteria not allowed into a stadium. I am a very big proponent of when I run a stadium, it is a private event that I run. And if I don't want you here, as long as I'm not violating your constitutional rights, but I have any reason, I don't like your shirt. I don't like the message. I don't like your sign. And I don't mean Pisces. I have the right to take away the sign, have you take away the shirt and then let you in once you are taking my dress code into account, taking my code of conduct into account. I have the right to tell you no bags, bring a clear bag. I have the right to tell you no signs. I have every one of those rights. Do I have the right based on color, sex, age, proclivities? Absolutely not. Guilt by association. We're definitely in the gray area here. There's going to be lawsuits. New York is looking into this and what New York State has done, and it's awesome, and New York City, they have said that in order to have a liquor license, you must be open to the public. And your place is not open to the public because you are not letting certain people in. James Dolan is not happy about that. So he actually hired a goon squad to follow around the liquor authority investigator to see if he could get the goods on him so somehow he could get that liquor authority investigator to not say anything so bad about what's going on at the garden. So they hire this private detective. Now, you could say that it's hiring a gumshoe. You could say it's hiring Philip Marlowe. You can say it's hiring Bruce Willis for moonlighting. You can say it's hiring the A-team. You can say it's hiring John Wick. I don't care who you say. A private detective who's hired to try to figure out whether or not somebody's doing something wrong. I guess there are people who do that in certain circumstances. That's how there's a business. What exactly is Dolan trying to do and trap the guy? You think that's what it is? Hmm. Maybe he is trying to entrap him. Do you think that it's possible that Jim Dolan is so worried about the business deals that he's in that losing the liquor license will have such a deleterious impact on his ability to make revenue or his ability to sell certain assets that he simply can't have it? You're talking about a guy named James Dolan who went on TV and showed a picture of the state liquor authority's chief executive and told fans to go up to him and tell him to shove it. Staggering to me that a team owner would do this and that Adam Silver has stayed silent. We've now seen it with the NFL with Danny Boy, denying it, but don't you deny it, it's happening. Hiring people, figure out who's doing what, when, how, and where, and how, and if. I can do that better, Coco, ready? Four, eight, 12, six, nine. Many owners are hiring people to figure out who's doing what and where and how and with who trying to figure out ways to get leverage. That's part of business and part of negotiating is you're looking for leverage. But you're looking for leverage in the four corners of the document. You're looking for leverage in what you know your opponent needs or wants and they don't know that you know. 
You get leverage in a deal when you hide what you want. You don't let the other side learn what your objectives and goals are of the negotiation. You don't get leverage by saying, look, I see you with a sheep. Entrapment. As you can tell, the reason I'm angry about this has nothing to do with my politics. It has nothing to do with the fact that I love the Knicks and they used to be my favorite team. It actually has nothing to do with any of that. The reason that I'm upset about this is that Adam Silver and the NBA are not doing something about what James Dolan is doing. When they know this is happening, when he acknowledges and sees this hatred and this issue, one of the things the league office should be doing is getting involved as reticent as they are to do it, especially with James Dolan, you've got to do it. Is it legal? Absolutely. Is it necessary? Absolutely not. Is it part of a narcissistic, sociopathic point of view by an owner who is so desperate that he would lower himself to doing the types of things and saying the types of things that he's currently doing and saying, you're damn right it is. Don't you want the focus to be on Julius Randle and the season he's having, on the fact that the Knicks have an opportunity to actually do something in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which starts so soon? Why can't you open the garden and let people enjoy the Knicks again? How about the Rangers? You have an opportunity. Could it be 1994 all over again when the Knicks and Rangers were both in the finals at the same time? It's not impossible. Unlikely, but not impossible. Dolan's antics are meant to distract when things are bad, thinking that, hey, people will focus on what a jackass I am and not worry about the team. The fact that our teams suck. It's the opposite now. We don't want to be distracted by you because the teams don't stink. How quickly did Rick Pitino make it to St. John's? Two days ago, he's like, I couldn't even find it on a map. Well, now he's got six years to figure it out. He was lying to you, folks. I bet you didn't know Rick Pitino lied. Think Rick Pitino, after Iona got eliminated, met for the first time with St. John's, and they said, hey, we, we have an interest in hiring you. Oh, you do? Do you want to hear about my coaching philosophy? Would you like me to draw up a special practice to show you how I would make plays? Would that be interesting to you? Give me a break. Rick Pitino was coaching Iona and making a contractual arrangement with St. John's at the same time. Do I blame him? No. Was he tampered with? Of course. Does it happen all the time? Yes. Have I done it? Yes. But don't pretend when the media sits with you, which the media did with Rick Pitino at the end of Iona's season, and he said, listen, I don't know what to tell you, except it's got to be, what, 30, 40 years since I've been there? I don't think I could find it. It's called GPS. I can't even. Rick Pitino signed a six-year deal to coach St. John's, and everyone's all excited. Everyone's excited that Georgetown replaced Patrick Ewing with the former coach of Providence. It's always exciting when you bring in a new coach. One with the pedigree of Patino. How, where else can you win a championship and have it vacated? Where else can you violate just about every NCAA rule no matter where you stop? I mean, come on. That's what we're looking for at St. John's. Let's get back to the good old days. Let's do some violations. We had to wait to see about... Rick Pitino, on March 22nd of 2021. Wait to see when we tell you something's gonna happen. And when it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we revisit it. 
on March 22nd of 21, we said to you that Iona will not be Rick Pitino's last coaching stop because he had said he loves it here, doesn't see himself going anywhere. This is great. And we said, give me a break. You're totally lying through your teeth. And here he is two years later taking the St. John's job, something that was planned two years ago. Did he know St. John's? No, but he knew Iona wasn't done. Well, let me give you another way to see about Rick Pitino. And this is a slam dunk. Rick Pitino will not be coaching St. John's for six years. The reason he wanted a six-year contract is he wanted to make sure he had a severance plan for when he was fired or decided to quit because he can't stand coaching and the players can't stand him. Iona is pretending that everything was great with Rick. I like that. You could, you should pretend. It's fine. The president and athletic director of Iona had said something like, I'm not sad it ended. I'm so grateful it happened. Iona getting Rick Pitino was quite a coup at the time. The only reason he took the job is because of the way his departure was. So Pitino was tweeting, sorry, Pitino specifically tweeted that I'm not sad it ended. I'm grateful it happened. That's his sort of response. I sort of wonder what Iona's president and athletic director think about it. And my guess is what they think about it is they're thankful because Patino put him on the map. I mean, it's been a long time since Jeff Ruland, hasn't it? Wait to see Coca book it. God, you're going to have to know me for six years now. Rick Patino will not fulfill all six years of his contract with St. John's. He's just not that kind of coach. That's like giving six years to Larry Brown. Those guys don't last that long in one place. It just doesn't work. Okay. One of the toughest things right now about the end of spring training is that this is when roster decisions are being made. And we've spoken to you about the reason roster decisions are made. It has to do with whether you have options left. It has to do with whether what your pay rate is going to be if you're put on the major league team. It has to do with whether you already have a long-term contract, whether it's you don't have a split minor league deal, which means that if you're sent down, you make the same amount of money as if you're up. There's all sorts of different contractual terms that change the amount of money a player makes depending on where a player plays. That said, you're also in the business of crushing dreams. It's always tough to release people because they know and you know when you're releasing someone and it's gonna be for the last time. They know when you release a veteran who's trying to hang on and that veteran does not make your team, the agent has already told that player, this is your last shot. I can't even get you another job with any other team. Feel free to stay in shape at the local Y or the JCC, but do not count on being called. The crushing revelation that when you release a minor league player from a minor league team, who had a vision of being a major leaguer and you are saying you will never be a major leaguer. The crushing moment when you send out a guy who had been up for two days because you needed an emergency starter and a double header and they're right back down to the minor leagues and you say, hang in there, keep working hard, do it again. There's various ways you send out players. When you do it with finality, it impacts the player. Yesterday, the Phillies released Mark Appel Mark Appel was the number one overall pick by the Houston Astros during their tanking times of yesteryear. 
Mark Appel has been very, very good about communicating online, communicating with you about his mental health issues, about his physical issues. When he was first picked out of Stanford in 2013, the thought was that he would be a superstar, a Cy Young candidate. You won't know this, but we were in the game in 2013, so I didn't have nothing personal. We were not in on Mark Appel because we had drafted Justin Wayne. And it was our experience that drafting accomplished Stanford pitchers, for whatever reason, they did not make it in Major League Baseball. Inexplicable, but these surefire Stanford guys ended up underperforming as a general rule in MLB. So we did not like Appel as a first pick. He ended up pitching 10 innings. 10 innings in Major League Baseball. That same year, our owner was very unhappy with us. We took a guy named Colin Moran at the sixth pick of the draft. But that guy made the big leagues. And I believe he, I don't know where he's playing now, but here we are 10 years later. And I'm almost positive he's still in the big leagues. He's had his chance and did well with the Pirates. He may have been on the Reds a few times. He had a cup of coffee with the Marlins, but he's a big leaguer. People criticizing our first round picks bothers me. No one gets it right all the time. You should go online and read if you have time, read what Mark Appel said. He is someone who is unique in his ability to understand that even when you're drafted one overall, you still have a 50% chance of making it to the big leagues and that's it. And it's really hard. And knowing that he is a bust, quote unquote, I wouldn't call him a bust because it's not like number one overall in the NBA or the NFL where you're expected to participate at the big league level the next year, hard stop and be a difference maker. Not like that in baseball. It's really hard to be a big leaguer. Mark Appel, congratulations. You did get it to, to the big leagues. You were a major league pitcher. You've got an entire life in front of you, and you're going to be the better for this experience. Mark Appel released by the Phillies in what was, I'm sure, a difficult moment, both for the Phillies and for Mark. And this is the time of year as MLB gets closer and closer to opening day. You feel for the player, but at the end, it's just business. Sometimes you have to say it's nothing personal. 